Why aren't more people writing, talking about sticker shock? See, I say Eggmageddon is not just an act, it's a state of mind now. Why aren't people talking about sticker shock? And when I say sticker shock, I mean sticker shock in as much as a bottle of Aqua Velva aftershave. I know something so silly and insignificant. The last time I bought it was at a Dollar General down the street from here. Cost four dollar and forty nine uh, four dollar ninety nine cent. <clears throat> Yesterday at CVS, it was six dollar. So it's three ninety nine. Now it's six dollar forty nine cent. That's a sixty percent increase, and that's inside of a year. 60%. I have a medication that I use for the, it, it's a topical skin treatment. It uh, doesn't have M any mRNA in it. Uh, and, and I don't have uh, a, a prescription, major medical prescription drug card, so I pay cash for it. And I have been paying cash for it for about a decade, uh, for, well, since uh, 2016. So last time I bought it was in September. It was $215. This is why I only buy it twice a year. And I'm very, 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 very conservative with using it. Only in cases of emergency. Um, and I went to go get it refilled yesterday. And I, I go to the counter at CVS. And uh, the lady, uh, the pharmacist lady comes up. What's your name? It's your date of birth. And she goes, ooh, can I talk to you over here? Because there are people in line behind me. So we go over to the little consultation window. She goes, do you know how much this is, this, this cost? And I went, it was $215. She goes, oh, no. It's $345. And I went, uh, no, it's not. I'm going to call Dr. <laughs> Dr. Benny Boombots and <laughs> see if we can find another way to treat this. And she just shook her head. She goes, and this is happening all the, oh, she goes, this is ha happening all the time now for people that are actually paying for their pharmaceuticals. Those are, it, 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 it's funny. The people that, are, that pay, this is not a blanket statement. It is not an accusation. I know some of you, someone out there is going to get offended by this. Is going to fire off a tweet, a text message, or a piece of hate email. I'm not talking about you. But generally speaking, people that are paying cash for their pharmaceuticals are using them very conservatively. Whereas if you got a prescription card and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, take four times a day. Yeah, take it four times a day. Whereas if you're paying cash for it and you actually have to pay for it, you're probably going like, I really don't think I need it four times a day. Maybe they're trying to addict me to it. And maybe you even try and wean yourself off of it. Again, this is just a little part of the Eggmageddon. Head and shoulder shampoo. You're going to have a nervous breakdown on the shampoo aisle at a CVS. And... How many ounces in the in the big one with the pump spout? Oh, I don't know. Is it 32 maybe? It's probably like 32, two pounds. A two-pounder. Used to be that you could get the two-pounder, which is double the size of the regular bottle. 
You could get the two pounder for about eight bucks or something like that. This is this is one two years ago. I'm talking about thirteen dollar ninety nine cent. That's if you buy it at Sam's. They didn't even have one at the CVS, but they had the price tag there, and it was sixteen some odd dollars. The half size. So the 16-ounce bottle of Head & Shoulders, $13. Uh, now, I'm I, I bringing this, this, this sticker shock up. Am I the only one that has seen this? Are Maggie and I the only people that are walking into stores going like, What? That? How much do they want? What? Looking at the prices of things, not just eggs. Because it's not just eggs. You know, there's, there, there, uh, uh, there is an actual effort, effort out there, and I don't know how you can get away with this, because you can lie or you can distort what the consumer price index says inflation is, for example. But when people actually have to go and they go to grocery stores or uh, department stores, if there are any left, or CVS, a, pharma, a, a drug store, which is more than, it's not just a drug store any longer, how can people avoid the knowledge of what we see here? And then it, it's just acutely in my memory and in my mind because we went to the store last Friday, Sam's on Saturday, and then I did the CVS yesterday. So I have three instances where I've seen this and I went, wait a minute, something's wrong. This isn't right. This can't, be, this can't possibly be correct. So what's going on here? And why aren't people ta- why aren't people screaming from proverbial rooftops over this? Well, I think that I may have stumbled onto an answer for that. There's so much to, 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 to talk about about this. If I asked you today, how many how much television do you think the average American watches per day? What would you say? If I asked you that question, what would you say? I already know the answer. You know, you, before I asked you, before you knew the answer, did, would, would, did, did, did the amount surprise you? The amount did not surprise me because I know uh, I see our daughters, myself, and, and background noise and whatnot. It's a lot. Um, okay. Why do they do series? If, it's because we watch. Okay, so she, why, why do we do? Why do they do series? Uh, yeah, but that doesn't count as television. <clears throat> yeah, it is. No, no, the streaming media is now separate. So, according to Nielsen Research, listen to this: television uh, television viewing peaked in two thousand and ten. It peaked, and now, now uh, again, if I if I asked you to guess, two thousand and nine. I'm sorry, two thousand and nine. If I asked you to guess how many hours per day the average American watches television, what would you guess? Well, let me tell you what it was in 2009 when it peaked. It was 8 hours and 45 minutes per day. 8 hours and 45 minutes per day. Uh, that's an awful big window. If you want to brainwash or propagandize people or fill their heads with information that they otherwise would not have and influence their thinking, eight hours and 45 minutes 
That's more than, for most people, if you're sleeping eight hours a day, that's more than half the day. That's more than most people work. That's a work, a quote, work day, close quote, eight hours and 45 minutes. So Nielsen Research kept studying it, and the last uh, uh, survey that I, well, that, uh, that I saw is Italy, it's leveled out, and it's at a mere seven hours and 45 minutes per day. Now, this is actual television. Meaning, you know, you've got one mounted on the wall, and you're listening to it. It's actual television. That does not include streaming. Streaming is not, uh, that does, uh, now you may be watching television and you may be getting streaming uh, on the back end there, or uh, you may be watching a TV series and it may be streaming. Okay. Uh, you have to throw all the other media in. If you throw all the other media in, you're up to almost 13 hours per day. So if you throw in the Pride Book, the Twitter, the YouBoob, and all that, that adds to a 13 hour. That is an awful big window through which you could teach people to do certain things, isn't it? If you go to the thekingdude.substack.com, I quote this guy at length. And I didn't have a chance to, to, look, uh, to, to look him up and to look more, uh, 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 to look more into him. But his, his name is Clay Shirky. And he teaches, a, he teaches courses on media and television usage. And, he, and he, he, he's a consultant for, uh, uh, for, for television networks. And he, uh, he goes around and he gives talks and stuff. He gave a talk in 2008. And I read the whole talk, all right? So uh, to get to the, uh, the, the nuts and bolts of, the, of what he was trying to convey, uh, it's only four pages long, and I link to it in the substack at thekingdude.substack.com. Uh, are you getting it, Eggmageddon it? That's, that's, that's the title. He makes the point. If, if you're trying to explain, or you're, if, you're, if you're like me and you're trying to plumb the depths of, well, why aren't people up? Where's the outrage? Is, is anyone even remotely concerned about this beyond those like Tucker Carlson that uh, want to know why the Biden regime is assaulting the food supply through Eggmageddon? Why aren't your average, what do I call them, uh, boobus Americanus and uh, yoga panta? Boobina, husband and wife. Uh, why aren't they screaming about this? Well, because society has become media. Society has become media. Clay Shirky puts it like this. Did you ever see the episode of Gilligan's Island where they almost got off the island and then Gilligan messes up and they don't? I saw that one. I saw, uh, I, I saw that one a lot when I was growing up. And every half hour that I watched that was a half hour 
I wasn't posting at my blog or editing Wikipedia or contributing to a mailing list. Now I had an ironclad now I had an ironclad excuse for not doing these things, which is none of those things existed then. So he, he's talking about back in the day when you would get these reruns of shows like Gilligan's Island on UHF TV. I know I used to run home from school every day. Absolute <laughs> cheering. So that I could catch the Beverly Hillbillies and then Gilligan's Island because they'd run them back to back. They were in rerun then in the uh, in, 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 uh, in, in, in the 70s. I was forced into the channel of media the way it was because it was the only option. Now it's not. And that's the big surprise. However lousy it is to sit in your basement and pretend to be an elf, I can tell you from personal experience it's worse to sit in your basement and to try to figure if Ginger or Marianne is cuter. And I'm willing to raise that to a general principle. It's now, now this is where I think that the guy was on to something. This is back in 2008. It's better to do something than to do nothing. Even lolcats, that's L-O-L-C-A-T-S, who that's on Twitter doesn't follow cat turd. You follow Cat Turd. What is I said, who doesn't? Oh. Uh, how many of you people that are in the Crusader State chat room keep at the ready the little animated GIF uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Persian cat sneaking on the ledge and then turning to see something uh, and then jumping off the ledge and then falls below the, the, uh, the precipice of what you can see on the ledge? In other words, an epic cat fail. That's a lolcat. That's what he's talking about, a lolcat. And this is back in 2008. Did you know they were called lolcats? No. Laughing out loud cats? No. Even lolcats, even cute pictures, pictures, because people like to have pictures of kittens, made even cuter with the addition of cute captions, hold out an invitation to participation. When you see a lolcat, one of the things it says to the viewer is, if you have some sans-serif fonts on your computer, you can play this game too. In other words, he's talking about making memes. Send me that link, He's talking about making... No, go to the Substack and get it. They want it, tell them to go to the Substack and get it. Thekingdude.substack.com. I'm not forking it over. It took me four hours to find it. I am not sharing it. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. No, I got it. Oh, you found it? No. You found the PDF file? Here. Uh, there. Lolcat. Never heard of a lolcat before. So he says if you have a, a sans serif font on your computer, you can play this game too. In other words, you can make a meme. Better living through memes. Some of you actually practice this. And that's... The, and, and, and that's... And that message, I can do that too, is a big change in human behavior. This is something that people in the media world don't understand. Media in the 20th century was run as a single race consumption. How, uh, this, this, this point is just really profound here. So uh, I'm kind of excited to share it with people, and they'll probably think uh, this will be day, day three now of Mike boring people to tears, and they're going to go listen to David Webb and Eddie and the Bright Bar Breakfast Flakes. I hope they're good today for you. 
I think that this is far more interesting and productive, productive, but then that's just me. This is something that people in the media world don't understand. Again, he's writing this in 2008. He's giving his talk. Media in the 20th century was run as a single race consumption. How much can we produce? How much can you consume? Can we produce more and you'll consume more? And the answer to that question has generally been yes. But media is actually a triathlon. It's three different events. People like to consume, but they also like to produce, and they like to share. So this is in 2008, and he's saying, okay, previously media was consumed. You sat in front of the television or you sat in front of the TV that was playing a VCR tape. Maybe you bought the tape. You went to the movies. You went to the movie theater. You consumed it. You, you might have heard it through uh, radio airwaves. No one does that anymore. You consumed it. You didn't produce it. You weren't making it. That all has changed. And through that paradigm change is, I believe, where and why we had the Corona Doom and why it was so successful and why no one, so few people fought back. And now you have Eggmageddon. You have the food shortage, starvation event, teed up here. And people aren't alarmed by it. Why? Well, I can explain that. Eggmageddon explains it. They're not alarmed by it because you haven't taken their media away. Media is society. It is existence for most people. Religion is not existence for most people. Praying, doing acts of charity, going to church, going to mass, aiding and assisting the poor, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, and what have you. That's not, that's just something you can do, you know, to get a few brownie points uh, so you can tell those to St. Peter or our Lord at judgment. Media is now civilization. Everyone listening to this radio show right now, almost every single one of you, this is not a knock. I am not chastising or castigating people. This is just the way it is. Is a consumer, is a producer, and is a sharer of media. That is a new phenomena that has now changed civilization itself. I believe this is what Cardinal Ratzinger was writing about in 1982 with that essay that we shared with you yesterday. Did anyone consider the ethical ramifications of making everyone a consumer and a producer and then a sharer, a promoter? Because that's exactly what's happened. And it is now existence. It's no longer social media platforms. They're just they're platforms of communication and civilization now. And they're not going anywhere. So until Moloch and his minions decide to really pull or launch the next PSYOP or maybe the next action and the Corona Doom was an action. Eggmageddon is an action, but the reaction to Eggmageddon is media. Let's, if, if someone does know something about it, let's go complain about it, let's go share it, let's go produce it, and then let's go consume what other people are saying about it. You see how that little cycle is right there? 
Look, today's February 1st, first day of February crowdfunding. If this is not a, I never would have thought of it that way moment, for you to chunk 50 bucks into the February crowdfunding, I don't know what is. I'm just going to, I'll quit the game. Kursky continues. People like to consume, but they also like to produce, and they like to share. And that, and what's astonished people who were committed to the structure of the previous society, again, that was just media producers, prior to trying to take this surplus and do something interesting, is that they're discovering that when you offer people the opportunity to produce and to share They'll take you up on that offer. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Gersky, I'd say they, they, they will take you up on that offer unless you run a thing called the Crusade Channel, <laughs> the Mike Church Show. Uh, and then almost none of them will take you up on that offer. But I digress. It just means we'll do it. Okay. They, uh, the, where was I at? They'll take you up. On that offer. It doesn't mean that we'll never sit around mindlessly watching scrubs on the couch. It just means we'll do it less. And this is the other thing about the size of the cognitive surplus that we're talking about. It's so large that even a small change could have huge ramifications. Let's say that everything stays 99% the same that people watch 99% as much television as they used to, but 1% of that is carved out for producing and for sharing. The Internet-connected population watches roughly a trillion hours of TV a year. Now, that was in 2008. How many trillions of hours do you think they're watching now? That's about five times the size of the annual U.S. consumption. 1% of that is 100 Wikipedia projects per year worth of participation. I think that's going to be a big deal. Don't you? He's asking this in 2008. Well, the TV producer did not think that this was going to be a big deal. She was not digging this line of thought. And her final question to me was essentially, isn't this all just a fad <laughs> you know, sort of the flagpole sitting of the early 21st century. It's fun to go out and produce and share a little bit. But then people are going to eventually realize, you know, this isn't as good as doing what I was doing before and settle down. And I made a spirited argument that, no, this wasn't the case. That this was, in fact, a big one-time shift more analogous to the Industrial Revolution than the flagpole sitting. And it was arguing that this isn't the sort of thing society grows out of. You know, Frank Wright writes about this. When I have Frank Wright on and he talks about, well, Mark, uh, basically, you know, we live in a consumption society. Uh, uh, how much can we consume? All the things around you are made for what? They're not made for your uh, addition. They're not meant for you to, to, to grow healthy over by, by, uh, by, by, uh, by using them. They are just meant for you to consume. And, and damn it, you're not consuming enough. How many times have we said here, you're not consuming enough? Well, that's not even the gambit now. Like, like he said back in 2008, the gambit is now you're not consuming, you're not, pro you're not producing, you're not consuming, and you're not sharing enough. 
Remember the other day when I was talking about how you go into Sam's and you see that all these rows uh products are all the same they all come in the same size crates boxes how is that pot would be possible was well, by design so in any event i am reading from and i got this by uh, uh just uh, doing one of my patented high level very complicated algorithm google searches i found a story in the atlantic from 20 2018 by alexis c madrigal when did tv watching peak it's probably later than you think and longer after the internet became widespread. And, and, and she had gone and linked to this Gursky piece. All right, so back to the, uh, okay, so in 2008, this TV, uh, this media uh, research guy who gives talks and uh, teaches classes at, 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 I forget what university or universities is, was, was, was telling people, hey, this internet thing is not going away. This social, and you know what he called it? You know what he called it in 2008? He called it social software. Well, yeah. and now you think about it, it is a software program. Uboob is a software program, a very complex one. And, it, and, and, and the software program is written to do what? To addict you to it. Hmm? Twitter is a software program. It's Photoshop 30 years later. Pride Book is a software program. We don't call them software programs anymore. Now we just put them under one umbrella, and what do we call them? Social media. So a software program has a very different footprint. People would look at it differently. They would perceive it differently. They might even use it differently if you called it software, social software. You know, there's an app for that. Okay, what's the app? Well, basically, at the end of the day, it's a software program. You need the hardware to run it, but the software tells the hardware what to do. Which seems to me that we are now hardware, we humans, and the software, the Eggmageddon, the Corona Doom, is the software that's telling us what to do. This is all... This is... Orwell could not have conceived of this. He could not have known that this was possible. Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, Philip K. Philip K. Dick got the closest, I think, with Minority Report, for example, and the precogs. You know, how many times a day I'll say something to, uh, to my lovely producer over there, and she goes, you don't know what I'm thinking. You're not a precog. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what I'm thinking. You're not a precog. I'm like, maybe I am a precog. I'm, I'm a software. I, <laughs> I have software now. This to me, this, uh, these kind of revelations here, uh, there's always the why in my mind. Well, And then the how. Well, how did they do it? How did they get away with, just for example... What they did to the people, what, what Gretchen Dim Whitmer did to the people of Michigan. How did she get away with, and why weren't there more people other than Bob and the chicken lady going, Because the software told them, it's okay. She cares about you. Well, I was reading Cindy Sheehan last night. Again, I found Cindy Sheehan. I was talking about, where's Cindy Sheehan go? Well, I can tell you where she went. She's on Substack, and she's, she's, very, she's very funny. She put a picture at the top of her latest Substack 
And it's a picture of children in a daycare center. It was taken in 2021, and it's children. I'm talking toddlers, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. And you can see the toys strewn about on the floor. They're all dutifully sitting inside of circles that have been painted on the floor that are all the exact same distance apart from one another. And Cindy Sheehan is like, don't ever forget that this is what they did. Those that who aren't apologizing now, who want to all be let back into our lives, this is what they did to us and to our kids, or she's a grandma, to our grandkids. Now, how did they get away with that? They ran a software program. You are the hardware. They make and then plug the software into you. Now, if you're not, if at this point in time right now, you're not thinking a little different than you thought 45 minutes ago, I want you to go out, I want you to stop listening to me, get up, go outside, go fill up a five-gallon bucket full of water, and then I want you to stick your head in it and stay there for three minutes. You need it. You, you, you need a dose of reality. You need to be brought back into consciousness and into reality because you're not thinking correctly. Gursky continued back in 2008. I was arguing that this sort of thing, uh, uh, um, I was arguing that this isn't the sort of thing society grows out of. It's the sort of thing that society grows in, the society grows into. But I'm not sure the TV producer believed me. Again, this is in 2008. In part because she didn't want to believe me, but also in part because I didn't have the right story yet. And now I do. I was having dinner with a group of friends about a month ago, and then one of them was talking about sitting with his four-year-old daughter watching a DVD. Is that a DVD? And in the middle of the movie, apropos nothing, she jumps off the couch, or she jumps up off the couch and runs around behind the screen. That seems like a cute moment. Maybe she's going back there to see if Dora is really back there or whatever. But that wasn't what she was doing. She started rooting around in the cables, and her dad said, hey, what are you doing? And she stuck her head out from behind the screen and said, looking for the mouse. Computer mouse. Here's something four-year-olds knew, or knew in 2008. A screen that ships without a mouse ships broken. Here's something four-year-olds know. Media that's targeted at you but doesn't include you may not be worth sitting still for. Those are things that make me believe that this is a one-way change. Because four-year-olds, the people who are soaking most deeply in the current environment, who won't have to go through the trauma that I have to go through of trying to unlearn a childhood spent watching Gilligan's Island, <laughs> they just assume that media includes consuming, producing, and sharing. It's also become my motto when people ask me what we're doing, and when I say we, we, who's we? 
I mean the larger society trying to figure out how to deploy this cognitive surplus, but I also mean we, especially the people in this room that he's talking to, in other words, the people who are working hammer and tongs at figuring out the next good idea. From now on, that's what I'm going to tell them. We're looking for the mouse. We're going to look at every place that a reader or listener or viewer or a user has been locked out, has been served up, passive or a fixed or canned experience, and we're going to ask ourselves if we can carve out a little bit of the cognitive surplus and deploy it here, could we make a good thing happen? And I'm betting that the answer is yes. Oh, Mr. Gersky, you could not possibly have known in 2008 how correct your theory was in 2008 and how it would turn out. Nope. Because now, and now I, I take what I learned from him and from reading some other stuff and researching the Substack that maybe I've intrigued some, some of you in going to reading after the program today at thekingdude.substack.com and sharing that we, this is how they're getting away with it, okay? When you go, like, well, how, how, why? Why aren't more people, why aren't there more people like us? Dude, you are a broken piece of hardware, okay? Your hardware is not working the way your neighbor's works. Your neighbor's works perfectly for what the software is telling him to do. This is not just a little bit off-putting and scary to people, because when I started thinking about it like that, yeah, I got a little scared. That's how they're getting away with it, okay? When you go, like, well, how, how, why? Why aren't more people, why aren't there more people like us? Dude, you are a broken piece of hardware, okay? Your hardware is not working the way your neighbor's works. Your neighbor's works perfectly for what the software is telling him to do. This is not just a little bit off-putting and scary to people, because when I started thinking about it like that, yeah, I got a little scared.